Kiwi, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Listen, uh, before we start breaking down these games, I know we're going to jump into the Jets and the Titans. We've got Rich Samini, who's going to be joining us on the show in about 30 minutes. Uh, let's recap last week. And you were in town. You went to the Eli Manning, um, <laughs> you know, big celebration, you know, Jersey retirement, Ring of Honor, blah, blah, blah. How was it? Let us live vicariously through you. What was that like? You know, it was it was truly amazing. I think the Giants are obviously a first class organization. They go out of their way to make sure that the players are celebrated. The one thing I will say, you know, and I have to, you know, give a big shout out to all the Giants fans out there, you know, getting an opportunity to walk through that stadium. You know, they, they, they put us up upstairs. I haven't, I haven't walked through the stadium that way. I usually come in one door and go out that same door. So going in as a fan was a little bit different for me, but, you know, being able to walk through that stadium and feeling the energy and the excitement and the passion and, you know, people are stopping me every now and again and like, you know, but they still had that look in their eye, like, you know, they're, they're still there. They're still with it. They might be, you know, complaining and, and griping and stuff like that. But like Giants fans, I got to say are some of the truest fans in, in sports because that stadium was packed. It was, it was rocking. There's not a whole lot to be excited or be cheerful about, except for, you know, the fact that we had Eli Manning back in the, in the stadium, but you know, I felt it. I felt that energy. So I, I feel I felt like rejuvenated. I felt renewed, like just putting my foot on that field again. I was like, wow, like this, the energy is still here. This building exists for a reason. Like the, these hallways and stuff like, like the, the legends who have been through, um, you know, the, the Giants locker rooms are still, you know, you can still feel that energy. So, you know, shout out to Giants fans, hang in there. It's going to get better. You know, well, I mean, listen, you won them a Super Bowl, boo. <laughs> <laughs> of yeah. course, uh, of course, they're going to love you. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but you know, let's, and, and, and not to be a negative Nelly here, but, you know, it was really awkward watching that and, and then John Mara getting booed, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, you talk, about, you talk about the fan base and you talk about, you know, how committed they are. And, uh, and, and, and listen, and John Mara spoke to the media after and said, listen, I would boo me too. Like, we, have, I, I, we, like, we, owe, we owe the fans. So what, what was that like sitting there and, and, and hey. hearing him get booed? Weren't you uncomfortable, Kiwi? Don't don't get it twisted. Nah, John Mayer, he's a man's man, you know, and like he 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 gets it. He understands it. You know, uh, the thing, don't get it twisted. Giants fans are are true, but they're New Yorkers. All right. So they're gonna tell you how they feel, exactly how they're feeling in the moment. And if you deserve to be booed, you're gonna be booed right now. Mm -hmm. You know, the Giants, the product that they're putting out there on the field, the product that that's coming out, you know, it just isn't good. It's it's bad football. It's bad football all around. Now, like I, I've said week in and week out, like I've been in the locker room, I've seen them. Them, you know preparing and trying they're, they're trying but like at the end of the day it's did you win you know yes or no like that's it you know like we're all about results here in new york like it's about like you know just just show me don't don't tell me what you're gonna do don't tell me what you have done like show me what you're doing right now so we can celebrate you and then and then let's move on so to hear him get booed yeah it was a bit uncomfortable but but it makes the story you know like that's that's part of playing in new york that's why not everybody can play in new york not everybody can be an owner in new york not everybody can stomach you know the the pressure that comes with representing you know one of the 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 biggest stages one of the the best cities one of the the flashiest brightest lights like in in the in the country you know and guys come to play in new york some of them lose their minds they they land and they want to go out in the city they want to see everything there's there's a lot of distractions and there are a lot of opinions and they're all loud and bright and that's that's part of playing in new york so yeah you get booed when you're doing bad but those boos turn to cheers real quickly when you put some wins up 
Again, he's Matthias Kiwanuka. Uh, I'm Anita Marks. It's New York game day. Uh, let's turn our attention to what's going on today for the Jets, and they're hosting the Tennessee Titans. I, I said this yesterday mm-hmm. on my show, and I thought it was a hot take. Ty, of course, who's producing the show, was like, that is not a hot take, Anita. Um, and that is, I, I, I'm more confident that the Jets will beat the Titans than the Giants will beat the Saints. So, so maybe, so maybe, so maybe that's not a hot take. And and, and here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't, I don't expect either New York team to win, but if you had to say, okay, needy, you've got to put money down just straight up. Who do you think wins today? I'm putting money on the jet. Again, I'm, I, I feel more confident that if I had to put money down on one of these two New York teams to win outright, I put my money on the jets over the giants today. Is that, is that a hot take or no Kiwi? No, I don't think it's a hot take just because of, of what we've seen out there on the field, you know, and we'll get into the Giants, but, you know, losing your middle linebacker, that that can, you know, have a huge impact on the outcome of the game. You know, they're going into New Orleans, you know, their first game back after all that, that the tragedy that happened, you know, and, and with the Jets, I mean, they're, they're, they're up and down, you know, they're, they're, they can they can pull something out at any point or any time you know we'll get into it so I, I don't think it's a hot take just because of all the all the things that the Giants are facing um let, let's talk about Zach Wilson and, and what we can expect from him right this week he's the last three weeks his first three games talk about a gauntlet I mean listen he went up against three uh, of the top five defenses in the NFL three very good coaches, whether head coach, defensive coordinators who scheme extremely well. This is, this is a, an interesting matchup. I, I, I wonder to me, and I, and I said this uh, in, in the fantasy forecast hour, I'm staying away from this game. I'm not betting this game. My favorite, my favorite prop bet in this game is, is Zach Wilson over one and a half touchdown passes because the Tennessee Titans secondary is so bad, but they are top three in blitz rate. They have to blitz. They have to send that extra guy Kiwi to get the pressure, but their secondary is so vulnerable. So kind of, you know, as, as a former defensive lineman, kind of break that down for us and, and why you believe that or or maybe you don't believe Zach Wilson could have a good or another bad day. How do you see this panning out? I think the one of the issues from a defensive side of the ball, like you know, when you're a defensive player, you start to say, okay, let me let me put the onus on myself. Like, what what can I do? What am I doing or what am I not doing? One of the things that stood out to me when I look at the statistics is the the Jets have zero interceptions. You know, like you gotta you gotta find a way to to get the ball turned over to give your your young quarterback more opportunities. You know, Coughlin used to get up there and go through a rundown of you know all the all the stats. You know, teams that score on defense are are most likely to win by this percentage teams that score on special teams are more likely to win and that that kind of puts in your head okay like like there's more than just you know that momentum that rah-rah on the on the sidelines when when a big play is made like they've got to find a way to to get the ball they got to find a way for the defense to get off the field you know and you know when you're talking about you know facing a guy like henry you know that 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 could make out for for a long day you know and so you know when i when i look at it 
um, you know, I'm always looking at it from a defense perspective. You know, you gotta you gotta force him into some situations. You gotta force the other team into some situations where the ball is gonna come out. Aaron is gonna, you know, there's gonna be opportunities. We always talk about um, like coverage sacks. You know, and as a player, I was always like, what about the pressure picks? You know, what I'm saying like like what about what about like being up in his face so much and so many times that he's just chucking the ball up there and we get some of the some some interceptions. That's what I think um, the Jets can do to to help their quarterback. Um, you know, when, when you look at this Tennessee Titans team, though, I, I just I, I just wonder, you know, it's it's been so difficult for the first three weeks for Zach Wilson against those defenses, especially with with what's going on with the secondary. I just wonder and I question, wow, is he like looking at this matchup and looking at this game film and saying, you know what, I, I could I could really change the narrative here. I could really change what has happened, uh, you know, I mean, listen, when, when we sit and we evaluate, I had Bill Barnwell on my show on yes, yesterday, or it might have been Friday night uh, on the, on the uh, Weekend Wager show. And him and I did, we dove into the rookie quarterbacks. And one would argue that Zach Wilson, out of all of them, is, has had the worst season so far. And a lot of that is because of the, the the competition that he's faced in the first three weeks. So I just I just wonder if like he's just like licking his chops right now, looking at this film and looking at this Tennessee Titans secondary and saying, you know, I I really I can do something here today. I I really I really hope he is. But at the same time, last week we heard Robert Sala and this Jets you know coaching staff say play boring. So <laughs> you know like you know does does he meet it somewhere in the middle? I, I, well, you I don't can, know. You can you can you can lick your chops and you can you can get ready to play and be really you know a, a, a aggressive in your mindset and your preparation and still go out there and play boring. You know it's kind of like that that ice water in your veins type thing or that, or that mentality where you know you want to see the guy throughout the week. You want to see him pumped up. You want to see him in the in the um in the gym. You want to see him in the in the weight room like early. You want to see him like you know bouncing around and really. But then like you know as as the game gets closer, as it gets closer to game time, you want to see him like you know kind of get that that focus in his eye and like and like slow down and start having you know smaller conversations okay now you see him talking with the running backs after practice now okay now you see him talking with the wide receivers or he's working you know specific things like like when they implement uh, a, a specific uh, play or something in the game plan is he going over it over and over and over again I think that will allow you to play boring you know it'll look boring on the field because it'll end up being methodical and it'll be things that you have executed it'll be things that you have gone through practice and you just you know it's going to work you know when you turn around and hand that ball off you automatically have the assumption that this is going for three or four yards without having to to worry about it or, or say oh maybe i should check here maybe i should like that's that's in my opinion what playing boring means playing boring means like knowing exactly what the play call is having an understanding of what the defense is going to try to do to you and executing it because you you already have that you've already gone through it so many times in your head that you've prepared that you have that that calmness you have that that ability to say all right you know what like that was a bad pass we are in you know, third and long, we're going to hit this screen or draw whatever it is it's going to be and and know that it's going to work and it's going to get you to, you know, that that first down marker without saying, uh, oh, crap, like it's third long, you know, we're on the foot, we got to, we got to, I got to, I got to chuck it down the field. I got to, I got to get something, I got to make something happen. No, nah, like, I think he can prepare aggressively, but then go out there on the field and just, you know, calm it down, get that, get that ice in your veins and and, and stop worrying so much about making that big play, get the first down 
You know what I'm saying? Like get points on the board on any, every single drive. Like you're not going to, you're not going to launch the long one and, and catch a big one every play, you know, get the, get the points, settle for the field goal. If you have to get off the field, come back and figure it out again. Love it. He's Matthias Kiwanuka. I'm Anita Marks. We'll come back. We'll take your calls talking all things jets, 800-919-3776. Uh, I also want to talk about the Tennessee Titans, both AJ, AJ Brown and Julio Jones are out this week. Does it really matter? This is a team. They begin and end with Derrick Henry. We'll find out what Matthias thinks. New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. All right, Kiwi. Uh, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans and the fact that no A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones. Wow, that benefits, obviously, the Jets. The Jets getting Mims back today. That should be interesting. Uh, Jamison Crowders expect to be active and attractive. So that's exciting as well. But for the Tennessee Titans, you know, listen, they're able to make noise even without those two dudes, right? Like this, their offense begins <laughs> and ends with Derrick Henry. Talk about that matchup, Derrick Henry against this Jets defense today. I mean, when you watch Derrick Henry, he's he's a beast. He is a he's a man playing, you know, on a on a different level, you know, at that size with that speed, but he continues to bring it throughout the entire game. You know, like that's, that's one of the issues when you're, when you're talking about um, defensive play and, and defensive line play specifically, it's, it's a long day when you're, when you're, you know, you're being attacked in the run game consistently by somebody who's that size. And so, um, you know, that, that does, that, that presents like the biggest issue. That's the biggest thing that, that the Jets have to do is if they can shut him down, um, then they have an opportunity. Like you said, Julio Jones is out. Um, obviously the, you know, the Titans are not going to be at, at full go, but they're going to rely heavily on this, on this run game. And they're the type of team with Derrick Henry that can do it and get away with it. Not everybody can, can say, Hey, we're going to have to run the ball a lot this week and you know, whatever, and just line up and see if you can stop us. They're the one team or one of the one teams that, um, one of the teams that can do it. 800-919-3776. That's the phone number. That's how you get involved. Uh, let's head out to our phone lines. And since we're talking Jets, um, guys, why don't we kick it off with Ira in Staten Island? Uh, Ira, welcome in. We got Ira? Ira, w- welcome in. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? So Great. I know you're going to totally disagree. I know you're going to disagree with me. You can think I'm out of my mind. I understand Henry. He's like Jimmy Brown. I know can help RPOs. You can make plays. And I like first get a tight end. But you know what? They're down six starters. I know the Jets have been a mess so far. Um, let's see what the offense does. If they could play a clean game and keep this game close in the fourth quarter, I think they, I could, I think they can win this game because I'm not sold on the Titans' defense. Uh, of course, you know, it's a hard argument. The Jets' offense has been putrid up until now. But I, I think if LaFleur dials it back, if, if they can you know, try to get the running game established and, and keep them under 25 throws, I think they could win this game. I think the Titans could be had. I'm not saying they're going to win many more games the rest of the year, but I think these are one of these Sundays where the Jets could go out and win a game, and I think they're going to win 24-23. Ooh, all right. That's solid, Ira. Uh, Kiwi, thought, thoughts on... No, I mean, uh, I, I love I love the confidence. When you're looking at the schedule, I mean, they got the, the Titans and, and Falcons and then the Patriots. I mean, of, you know, these next three games, I mean, this is is probably the one I'd say you could point to, like, all right, well, if we get a, a, a good win here, that could put us on a roll and set us up to do some good things, and maybe we can string some wins together. So maybe if, if their thought process is such that, hey, let's throw out the, the beginning part of the season and let's start new from right here. Um, like you said, when you're... When you're playing the NFL, 
like the caller said, like they're they're down six starters. Like it's that's a lot that has a lot to do with it. You know, we always say this is gonna be a great team if they can stay healthy, if they can, if they can. I don't agree with them hundred percent, but I love the confidence. You know, New York fans are always gonna ride with their team. So let's see what happens. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go to Eddie in Rockland. Eddie, you're up. Hey guys, what's going on? You know, on the Giants offense, I think they just need to tighten it up and dial it back and start off tight and make Barkley. You know, Barkley, look at Barkley, six foot two thirty five. He's not six foot. I see him at training camp. He with cleats on. I'm looking down on him. He is not Earl Campbell. Lean him out. Drop. He wants to play. He wants to run like Marshall Foss. Take ten pounds off of him. Make him be a specialty back. Go to a two back system. Go to a two tight end system. Get Daniel Jones going, and then slowly open up the wide receiver game and try to get control of the game and 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 own it. You know, even with time management, that's what I like to see the Giants do. Tighten it up. Eddie, thanks for the phone call. Uh, Kiwi, I I know we're going to get into Giants a little bit later, but, you know, this is what concerns me about the Giants and going up against that Saints defense. Um, You know, they're really good against the rush. They're only allowing rushers to average 3.2 yards per carry. I'm sorry, I take that back. 2.8 yards per carry. Saquon Barkley is only averaging 3.2. So that that is a combination for disaster. I'm worried that I think... The, the Giants are going to come become one-dimensional. And this isn't the week to do it, considering that Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton are, are out. So uh, I just, you know, I, I think this has, the, this is dangerous. I think this has the potential of, of, of being a blowout. What I mean by a blowout, I don't think a lot of points are going to be scored here. Listen, Jameis Winston, he's not throwing the ball more than 20 times a game. Alvin Kamara is only, is rushing the ball 20 times a game. Not only, that's a lot. So, they're not a fast pace style of offense like they were with Drew Brees. It's a different offense, but I can see this being like, I can see this being like 20, 20 to 10, 24 to 10, something like that. I could, I could, I could see that. And I, you know, I like what the caller said there about, you know, controlling the ball. You know, when you look at it, the giants have the ball average 29, um, you know, minutes a game, which is 20th in the league. And that's, that's always a problem. That's, that's always when your defense is out there, you know, we've, we've talked about the defensive issues for the giants, but you know, they're spending a lot of time out there on the field. You know, there's, there's a lot of turnovers. There's a lot of, a lot of times when the giants defense is, is asked to, to rush back out there on the field. And it, it kind of, it, it changed the 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 way that you have to call the game you know when you got guys who are you know tired you got to sub guys in and out and and there's issues you know you know with that so I, I do agree you know clock management time management you know we got to get a running game but when it comes to the running game you know I said earlier like it I don't think that you can just put this on Saquon. I don't think that Saquon is running the ball the way that he wants to run the ball. When you look at this offensive line, it's been in flux. Yes, there have been a number of injuries. There's a number of guys on IR, which is not their fault at all, but there have been some adjustments and some changes. And what happens when you do that is, you know, Saquon doesn't know doesn't have a feel for how certain things are going to be blocked. You know, the right side of the line might block one way and the left side of the line might block another way, but then, you know, you rotate somebody in and that could change. And 
what I've seen is that as soon as he touches the ball, there's somebody in the backfield almost on every single play. There's no, there's no push. There's no drive. They're not, they're not giving him time to, to get the ball and identify, a, you know, a rush lane. So he's been forced to, to tap dance and to do some of those things. I think you, you sure up that offensive line and he becomes a different, a different running back. You know, everything starts up front offensively and defensively. It, it starts with the line. So you know, I, I don't I don't accept the criticism of, of Saquon's running style just because, you know, given what he's had to work with, like he's doing what he has to do now injury wise. You know, he's come back. We've seen that. I believe that we can put that behind us and and he can move forward. Um, but he's got to get some time. You know, he's got to get an opportunity to touch the ball, take a step and then have let his vision, you know, take control. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Jordan Renan, and he covers the Giants. Jordan, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, Anita? You know, you know, they're not giving you a ton to talk about here. Aside from some <laughs> negatives between these two New York teams, can you get a positive? I know, I know. Listen, listen. <laughs> I'll say this: I won't be shocked. I won't be shocked if the Jets beat the Titans today. I won't be shocked. Now, am I predicting yeah, it? I, no. I kind of like the Jets also. I, I just, I won't, you know, Titans, their secondary is, is, is horrible. So, um, wouldn't be shocked. Uh, do I think that both these teams are going to end up losing? Yeah, I do. But nonetheless, let's dive into the Giants. Um, where do we begin? First and foremost, bring us up to speed on all the injuries. As we know, Shepard and Slayton are out, Correct. Shepard and Slayton are out. They're shorthanded at wide receiver, but that means Kenny Galladay going to be asked to really step into that number one role. Remember, Sterling Shepard has kind of been the number one here, right? Especially if you're talking about for fantasy purposes, because Galladay was coming along slowly because he had a bunch of injuries this summer, right? And then he had a hip injury last week that kind of had him in and out of the game. Uh, but he's been healthier this week, so I think that's a positive. And you're going to see Kadarius Tony play a bunch. Like, there's no more easing them in, they don't have the option anymore. That luxury is gone. They're not. They're shy on bodies. Now, he didn't do a ton with his snaps last week, so the hope is he could play a bigger role this week. And Colin Johnson, we saw him last week play a pretty big role. I mean, I, wouldn't, I think he's probably going to start today, so uh, expect plenty of, of Colin Johnson, a real big possession-type receiver. And then left guard, Giants are on their le- fourth left guard in four games. I believe it's going to be Matt Skura today uh and all the uh, the previous three all injuries so that that position i asked matt skewer does he think it's jinx this week right shane lemieux nick gates ben bredesen one by one by one each game uh have gone down so uh good luck to matt skewer i guess um yeah uh you know really really interesting um i, I was talking to michael triplett uh, this weekend and of course he covers the saints and he was just telling me how great the Saints defense is against the run. They're only uh, running backs are only averaging 2.5 yards per carry against them. As we know, Barkley, he's been challenged and struggling behind that bad offensive line, only averaging 3.2. Here's what I'm worried about, Jordan. And that is, yeah. you know, this, this, this Saints team, they shut down the run. Now Daniel Jones has to go and this offense goes one dimensional. And that's in the passing game without all these weapons. Uh, this game could get ugly. Yeah, that's problematic. They can't run the ball at all or have at least the respect of the run. It's going to be problematic for the Giants. They have to find a way to uh, at least 
even if it's in the screen game, use that as sort of their running game or the bubble screen, those, those kind of plays to just, you know, slow down that pass rush a little bit because, I mean, they're going to have trouble blocking Cam Jordan. Tonight. These kind of guys, the Giants, have, it's, it's not a great matchup for them. If, if, if they're just going back there and tossing the ball around and teams get to tee off on them, they're, they're not built for that, and that'll make life very difficult for Daniel Jones. But the good, on a good note, Daniel Jones has not thrown an interception this year. He's one of five quarterbacks. He's turned it over once. So he's done a pretty good job of taking care of the football. Uh, and if he's under heavy pressure, you just hope that that can continue if you're the Giants again today and uh, he can make just enough plays. Because, look, the Saints aren't scoring a ton of points. I think they're 31st in total offense. So this is going to probably be a low-scoring, slow-paced game with with not a ton of, uh, you know, up and down the field and points. So if you could hang in there that way and just squeeze in a big play here or there, you know, Saquon Barkley. Darius, Tony, Kenny Galladay, perhaps the Giants can be in the game, maybe steal something. Um, <laughs> on the defense, you don't, you don't sound like a believer. Just trying to like, use. <laughs> I, just, I, I mean, just you know, trying try, try, you over there. <laughs> trying to be trying to be as optimistic mm-hmm. as possible. Um, on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball, uh, you know, the Giants sporting one of the worst rush defenses, allowing over. Uh, five yards per carry and allowing a a lot of uh, receiving yards to running backs out of the backfield. And oh, by the way, they lose linebacker Blake Martinez. And oh, by the way, going up against arguably one of the best running backs in the NFL and Alvin Kamara. How's this going to play out for them? Yeah, good luck stopping Alvin Kamara. We know that's what the Saints are doing. He plays pretty much every snap too. So, I mean, he's going to get the ball. I saw Jameis Winston hasn't thrown had more than 22 pass attempts in any game yet this season. Think about that. Today's NFL, Anita, under 22 pass attempts in every game. And why, if you're the Saints and you just ripped off those numbers, why would they alter that in this game, right? It seems to set up pretty well for them. They can run the football. They could go to Kamara out of the backfield. The Giants now have a new middle linebacker in there. Reggie Ragland is technically taking Blake Martinez's spot, but really it's Tay Crowder second year, Mr. Irrelevant, who's going to be now playing a bigger role. Um, things set up seem to be setting up pretty nicely if you're the, the Saints for this one. Again, Jordan Renan joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Jordan, what, what's the mindset of, of this team right now? I mean, you know, we, we spoke last week and – you know, the, the narrative was, well, if the Giants can't beat the Falcons, then, you know, pack it in, the season's <laughs> over. I, you, you, exactly. And and this and listen, the schedule doesn't get any easier. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. I think there's a possibility they don't win a game until Miami. And that's, you know, it'll be snowing out. So... Here, of course, not in Miami. But, um, but you know, what, what, what's, what's the mindset? What's the feel of this team right now? They, they have to be extremely disappointed. I think, yeah, fair to, to say they're disappointed. I think uh, Joe Judge has kept them even keeled to a degree. I mean, as much as you can when you're 0-3 and you know that you, you need to win games and you need to do it uh, really quickly. I mean, Logan Ryan said uh, on Friday, you know, he thought the team had a really good week of work. He thought they were really locked in. Uh, 
very calmly stated, hey, I've never played a season that was only three games, and he's been on teams in the past that started out poorly in September. But a key point that he made is you got to hang around at least. Uh, and, you know, 0-3 is not the way to do it. 0-4 certainly would put them in a spot where I don't think it's unrealistic that you just completely write them off at 0-4. I mean, that is such a big hole in the NFL. It's 0-3 is ridiculous enough. Um, so, man, uh, they're, they're trying to remain optimistic. But at some point, you know, the, the frustration will, will get the best of them and boil over if they continue to lose. And like you said, they're not going to be favored in a game till who knows when. Maybe when they play the Eagles, uh, you know, in, in November. I don't know. I mean, who maybe I can't even see them being favored against Miami. So uh, they have, according to our guy Mike Clay, uh, who recalibrated the schedule to you know what, what teams are doing right now and everything. The most difficult, hardest, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. The hardest, thirty second, <laughs> the hardest of any team, wow. and you don't want to be zero and three with the hardest mm-hmm. schedule. That is an awful combination. It's a very, very sad state of affairs. Uh, that's for sure. Let's talk about Joe Judge and and what what he's kind of he's been communicating this week with the media. Um, explain the whole Bill Gates analytics. Why did that go viral? Why was that a thing? Was he insulting Bill Gates? Was he playing down analytics? I, I didn't quite understand that whole narrative. What happened there this week? Yeah, I think people plucked out that quote about Gates. It was part of a bigger uh, point he was making that, uh, you know, it's not just about the numbers. You also have to take into account, you know, the situation, who you're playing, uh, how the game is going, the conditions at the stadium, i.e. the wind. Uh, The other day when he thought that, what, 56, 57-yard field goal with the wind, what it was, was probably – a bit too far and too risky to do at that point. So I, I, I really didn't think it was that bad. But the quote on its surface, when you, it almost looks like you're mocking analytics if you just pull that part out of it. And then you're talking about an organization where Dave Gettleman has already publicly mocked analytics uh, and you're 0-3. That kind of creates a little firestorm that you see there. And uh, you know what? I hate punting from inside the 40, and I think it's you should never do it, basically, unless there's like a windstorm the other direction and they absolutely cannot throw the ball. I think it's it's, it's silly. But, I, I mean, you because you want the points, but I do understand his logic. If you think about it, the Falcons had really done like zero offensively up until that point. Like the Giants' goal was to not screw it up, and, and at that point they thought they were going to win because they were up, I think it was 14-7 at that point, right? And the Falcons had done nothing except for one drive that was a short field in the first half because, uh, you know, and so he's like, okay, let's just punt it and pin him deep, which they did. And then we won't have to, you know, our defense will win us the game. And the, the thinking, while I hate doing it inside the 40, is not terrible. But at the same time, I also – if you think of it about it aggressively, you want to win the game, you know, end the game offensively. But that's just uh, not how he kind of operates. He's been generally very passive and conservative ever since he's got here. 
let's let's end on this and and that is bigger big picture here right like uh other news that was trending was uh, fallen trash cans uh it, of course near and around john mara's suite uh it, it, you know kind of share with us exactly what happened there listen i i i know Again, folks listening in, um, so I, I was a part of the Giants broadcast team. And, you know, I will say this, uh, to walk into that facility on a Monday after a Giants loss, especially to an NFC East opponent, um, it's, uh, the, the, the atmosphere is thick. And, and don't smile. Um, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the Mara family, they take losses extremely and, and 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 you know what i don't have a problem with that um you know they they it, it's 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 a prideful organization and and they care they do care Any, they care they matter. care they care big don't time care. exactly I don't, I don't believe like you. i don't like i don't have a problem with the with the like okay show me some emotion john like i don't have a problem with the with the trash cans and i don't know throw a chair through a window like i don't like it's that's fine with me like you know your your organization has the worst record in the last what three, four, five years? What is it? What's that stat? I mean, I'd be uh, I'd be throwing that's, garbage cans that's too. Twenty seventeen. The bigger yeah. picture to me is that is that John Mara got booed in the, the middle of what was a celebratory uh, afternoon or, or uh, event for Eli Manning. In the middle of that, John Mara, who if I told you. And like when I first came on the beat in 2013, they were two years removed from two Super Bowls, you know, that came in a four-year stretch. If I told you that John Maron was going to be standing out there celebrating Eli Manning and getting vociferously booed, you would have thought I'd be crazy. So the fact that the pendulum has swung that hard in that direction and this organization has fallen so hard, and I, I, don't, I won't even say so fast because we're talking about an eight-year stretch now, but that's fallen so hard and he was booed, to me it shows you where this organization is, number one, and where this fan base is, number two. And I have never seen this fan base so indifferent, which is the worst thing you can have for a fan base, and angry at the franchise at the same time, or, or, be, or even both of those independently, <laughs> uh, ever. Uh, you know, I wasn't around in the in the seventies when the giant early seventies when the giants were terrible or whatever. So, uh, the fact that we're at this point to me speaks volumes of where this organization is and how much they need to do to earn back the trust and the support even of their fans. So, so with that, with that being said, Jordan, just final thoughts, let's say I'm right. Hopefully I'm not, but let's say that, you know, that's, this is a gauntlet of, of a schedule. And as you just pointed out, Mike Clay, uh, one of the brainiacs and very dear friend of mine up at Bristol, one of the smartest in the business, uh, Giants have the most difficult yeah, schedule absolutely. remaining. So, like, we know John Mara is not a, you know, a knee-jerk reaction owner. Mm-hmm. Gettleman st- does Gettleman stay? Is there a change? Any chance Joe Judge is on the hot seat, even though he's been only here for a hot second? What what are you envisioning big picture here if if the Giants have another horrendous season? This is what I always say about these kind of things. People get hired, people get fired, not hired, sorry, fired in this business when the fan base gets to the point that it's not even 
uh, it's not prudent anymore for ownership to keep going about because they're because the fan base is so upset with a, a segment of the organization. So it, when the fan base reaches that point, and you basically it, it's it's counterproductive for you as an organization and for ownership and for the business in general, and I'm talking their pockets then that's when you have to make a change. Now, if the Giants are sitting here at 0-6, 0-7, there will be moves made. This organization will have no choice. Because then what, you, what do you have if you don't do anything? You have a fan base that's basically in revolt. And then you have home games. Like, what is Jason Garrett going to be facing if the offense keeps sputtering and not scoring points and they're coming home to play a game and we, I don't know, I, I don't have the schedule for me. Let's say, Week seven, eight, nine, and they're zero and seven. That's bad for business, and that's when changes are going to be made. And the first two at the front of the line right now are Dave Gettleman and Jason Garrett. Now, Joe Judge, I would say he's not going to get fired. But I saw two years ago—not two years ago, a few years back—Ben McAdoo went eleven and five, and before the second season was over, he was no longer there. So if things do go really, really, really bad, and it's a total, total disaster, like I said, ownership at that point usually gets to the point where they have no choice but to make changes. Now, I will say, I really don't see that happening with Joe Judge right now, but considering where this organization, what they've been in the past, in the past few, you know, eight years, you can't really rule anything out, can you, at this point? No, you can't. Jordan, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate your time joining us here on New York um, New York game day. Uh, enjoy the game later on this afternoon. Hopefully uh, the Giants are winners. We'll see what happens. Uh, but thank you so much, my friend. <laughs> All right, Nita. Thanks for having me. Speak soon. You got it. New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. These are Anita's Locks of the Week. And we're not talking about her long blonde hair. No, we are certainly not. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Week four, it's my locks of the week. And uh, listen, you know, I don't toot my horn often. uh, So when I do, it's pretty significant. And I'm 66% in our picks on our ESPN column. And a number of people contribute to that column. It's an excellent column. I highly recommend. It drops every Friday morning, so check it out. And one gentleman who is part of that column as well as Aaron Schatz, of course, from Football Outsiders. What's up, Aaron? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I think I'm also like 66%, but with a lot fewer bets. Than you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What am I? I'm like, I'm like 60, 67 and 32 or something. Well, I, I mean, understand, like, you know, I play a lot of prop bets on Sunday. I mean, I play like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of prop bets. <laughs> Um, prop bets got me through Thursday night's game. That's for sure. I had the over on a lot of, uh, Joe Burrow over, uh, um, completions over attempts over yards. So I did well on Thursday night, but now we're, we're heading into, uh, obviously today. So, all right. So before we talk about my three locks of the week, I, I, I always listen. I, I, I love, I love taking the dogs. I like taking the dogs on the money line. And winning. So I'm going to tee up for you a few dogs that I like this week. And and one is the Carolina Panthers. Okay, they're getting four. They're plus four and a half. You can get that at minus 105. But get them on the money line at plus 185. To me, this is the game. Are they pretenders or are they contenders? What I do like in the advantage here, Aaron, 
is that you've got Dallas on a very short work week. You've got Carolina on an extended long work week. I love their defense. I understand the opponents that they faced. I love the offense that now Sam Darnold is playing in. Um, I'm, I'm going to play Carolina plus four and a half, and I'm going to play them on the money line. Who, who, who do you like in this matchup? I'm going to disagree with you there. I like Dallas in this matchup. I think that our knowledge of what we knew going into the season is still more important than what we've learned through three weeks. And, I mean, going into the season, we thought Dallas was going to be a much better team than Carolina, certainly offensively. And I think that Dallas is going to show that Carolina, especially on offense, has been a little bit of a mirage. Another dog that I like this week is the Seattle Seahawks heading to San Francisco. Uh, they're getting three. They looked good in the first half against the Minnesota Vikings, but then Kirk Cousins woke up and this became a, a complete surgeon. Not sure if you, not sure if you watched that game, but he sliced and diced Seattle's defense. Uh, I, 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 you know, it's a shame. Like I don't think enough people realize just how great of a quarterback Kirk Cousins is. But n- neither here nor there. Seattle at San Francisco getting three minus one one fifteen. On the money line, plus 135, I'm going to play it both ways. What say you? I like this. Uh, I like Seattle in this game. I think that this game is going to be really close. I think it's pretty evenly matched. So if you're getting Seattle as an underdog, I think that's pretty good. These two teams are really designed to specifically attack each other. Seattle's defense likes to play against teams that play base offense, and San Francisco likes to play base offense. And uh, San Francisco's defense is, you know, needs to play a team like uh, Seattle, where uh, they're having trouble with pass protection. So uh, I think that uh, this is going to be a really close one. And I like going with Seattle as an underdog. Before, again, we, we touch on my three locks of the week, we have to talk about, of course, uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks going back to Foxborough, taking on the Patriots. Am I crazy that I like the Patriots plus seven, plus seven and a half in some places? I think plus seven and a half, it starts to make a little bit of sense. But, I mean, when you go away from the numbers and you just consider the psychology of this game, doesn't it seem like Tom Brady is going to come out and destroy? I I just, I would not, psychologically, I just would not want to have money on the Patriots in this game. So, but here's the thing. Like, you know, when when we talk about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, um, you know, we give Bill Belichick, we, you know, as, as often as we call, and not me, but the general public, call Tom Brady the GOAT, in the same sentence, many people say that Bill Belichick, top coach, possibly top three coach in NFL history. You don't think as important as this game is to Tom Brady, you don't think it's as significant and important to Bill Belichick. And one thing we know about Bill Belichick is how he schemes his defense and his son is running that defense. I think they have had sleepless nights, Aaron. I think they have dissected this. They've watched so much film, and they've got something sneaky up their sleeve. And here's another thing. You know, the Bucs wouldn't have won a Super Bowl if it wasn't for their defense, and their defense is non-existent this year. You can pass all over their defense. 70, over 70% completion percentage. I think Mac Jones has a solid game. Like, listen, it's dink and dunk. Yeah. I, know, I, know that, I know they tried to get out of that dink and dunk last week. It didn't work. I think they go back to what was working. I think it's a dink and dunk. I think they control time of possession. And you could pass on that Bucks defense and keep the ball away from Tom Brady. And when he does have it, Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense tee up something difficult because, you know what, they have been good against the pass this season. So am I, am I at all talking you into the Patriots plus seven, plus seven and a half? <laughs> 
I just don't know if they have the horses to make it work to dial up something special. They're really going to miss Stephon Gilmore in this game because let's say J.C. Jackson locks down whoever he covers. You still got Jalen Mills and like Joan Williams playing the other spots. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold down the like myriad of receivers that Tampa Bay has. And as far as the Tampa Bay defense goes, yeah, there's questions in the secondary, but they're still bringing a good amount of pass pressure. It's just not getting home because they don't have the sacks this year. But pressure rate is more predictive of the future than sack rate. And we know that Mac Jones has struggled with pressure. And it's like it's easier to see a quarterback going out and being in the zone mentally than it is a coach going out and being in the zone mentally because the coach isn't on the field like upping his game because he's in the zone. So I just, like I said, psychologically, I, I would just stay away from putting money on the Patriots in this one. Aaron Schatz joining us here on uh, New York Game Day. Uh, you can find him all over Football Outsiders. Make sure you follow him uh, on all things social media as well. All right, here are my three locks of the week. I'm going to tee up for you. You tell me yay or nay. My first one, the Packers, minus six and a half against the Steelers. Listen, Ben Roethlisberger should have retired. He said he was going to ride out into the sunset with his offensive line. He didn't do it. I don't know why. The Packers have finally brought it together. I know they didn't look good in week one, but boy, have they looked good in week week two and week three. And as Aaron Rodgers said, it's going to be a fun plane ride home from San Francisco. I love the Packers minus six and a half this week. I like the Packers. I don't think I like them as much as you. I wouldn't make them one of my three locks of the week. The Pittsburgh defense should be better. We know they're better than what they've shown so far. They're getting T.J. Watt back. Uh, They should be better than what we've seen so far. So that improves their chances to cover this game. So I do like Green Bay. You know, if I had to pick this game, I would pick Green Bay minus six and a half. But I don't think I'd make it one of my three locks. Uh, My other two locks are team totals. And the first one is the Buffalo Bills. Again, a subpar, uh, let's be honest, an embarrassing week one. But the past two weeks, they've put up over 70 points. They are rolling on all cylinders. And this week, they take on the Houston Texans. Bills, over 31 and a half total points in the game. You know, I don't, hmm, I'm not into that one. I feel like Houston's defense has been better than we expected it to be, but their offense should be a wreck. Buffalo's defense is second in our ratings of football outsiders so far. So I think Houston doesn't score much. Buffalo takes a nice big lead, and then they run out the clock. So I don't know if they make it over 31 and a half. And last but not least, my third lock of the week is another team total. And just just to preface, my Super Bowl matchup prior to the season beginning, Bills winning over the Rams. I like the Rams team total over 29 and a half points against the Arizona Cardinals. What do you what do you say? Uh, yeah, I think the Arizona defense. Listen, the pass rush has been great, especially week one. But that secondary still has so many questions with you know Byron Murphy and Alford as the starting corners and then a rookie as the nickel, uh, you can pass on them. I, I like that going Rams over. I definitely like that. Again, so just to, con- just to, just to uh, confirm and, uh, and circle back, and my, my three locks of the week, the Packers minus 6.5 against Pittsburgh, team totals, the Bills over 31.5, team total, the Rams over 29.5, and, 
Aaron, before we let you go, what is your play of the week? What's your favorite play this week in week four? Las Vegas Raiders plus three and a half on Monday night football. The Chargers have not been as have not been as good as you think they have when you look at the play by play breakdown. We didn't have them as good as people thought they had uh, they were going into this season. Uh, so even though Vegas also hasn't been as good as a three and O team normally is, this is basically a home game for them in Los Angeles. Three and a half is a, is a, I mean, you know, the Chargers can win on a last minute field goal and still not cover. I like Vegas plus three and a half on Monday Night Football. Great stuff as always, Aaron. Uh, so appreciate your time uh, on this Sunday morning. Thank you so much, my friend. Good luck today. Hey, thanks. Good luck to you too. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Mike T, Mike Tannenbaum joins us. Mike, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, guys. Ready for a... Uh... First full Sunday here in October. The leaves are changing, getting a little cooler. It's to me, it's officially football season. Oh, it's, it's just football weather, isn't it? It's about time, huh? It's just it feels it feels right. It feels right. Uh, so, Mike uh, Kiwi and I have been, been talking about both these games uh, for the last two hours. Let's get your insight uh, first and foremost. Let's start with the Titans and the Jets. Um, Listen, this is a winnable game, in my opinion, for the Jets. Uh, Tennessee, as we know, their defense, their secondary is pretty shoddy, and they're missing their two top wide receiving, uh, you know, uh, weapons for Tannehill. How do you envision this game playing out? Well, you know, a lot's been said about the development of Zach Wilson, guys, but I think today's a huge, huge opportunity for Robert Sala to take a step as the CEO of the New York Jet franchise because they've allowed Zach Wilson – to take a brand-new Porsche at 16 years old and learn how to drive in the left lane going 90 miles an hour. And that's <laughs> not the way to develop a quarterback. And if you look at the first couple of games, guys, he's thrown it 37, 33, and 35 times. And when you further break it down, his pass, pass attempts by quarter is simply unacceptable. First quarter, he, he's had 28 passing attempts. In the second quarter, guys, he's had 50 pass attempts. That's unacceptable, and here's why. If we were in a Coach Belichick meeting, he would talk a lot about how oftentimes opponents will lose games before you need to win it. And you don't think when you think about what Josh McDaniels did with Mac Jones a couple weeks ago, any of the three of us could have played quarterback for the Patriots that day because the Jets allowed Zach Wilson to lose that game. So what's critically important today is Robert Sala not to be this up-tempo, rah-rah defense coach. He needs to be the CEO of this franchise and say, hey – They're missing their two best receivers. We are not going to turn the ball over. We are going to throw the ball 18 times or less. We have a good run defense. We match up well against the opposing offense, and we are not going to lose the game. If we lose this game, Ryan Tannehill is going to have to make throws to the third, fourth, or fifth receiver. And if they do that, it would be a great day for the franchise, a great day for Zach Wilson, and more importantly, a big and critical step in Robert Sala's development to understand that he is the CEO of this team and every week, how you win the game and attack your opponent's weakness changes week to week. Uh, I'm, I'm half joking here when I say this, but are you saying that he needs to coach boring football? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it's Kiwi, that's right. But it's also effective football, right? And, and to me, Zach Wilson has such massive upside. We've seen it, guys, right? We've seen the flashes. He has such talent. But, you know, a decade ago, I got to give Rex Ryan so much credit. We started off 3-0 and with Mark Sanchez as a rookie quarterback, went to the championship game that year, and a lot of times the night before, he would tell the whole team, hey, Mark, don't turn it over because they're not going to beat us. Their offense doesn't match up well against our defense. And that's what 
football is, guys. It's a matchup-specific week-to-week. And the Jets are incredibly lucky that A.J. Brown and Julio Jones aren't playing, and hopefully their game plan on offense allows them to take advantage of how their opponent's offense is weakened today. Again, Mike Tannenbaum joining us here. It's New York game day. Uh, Looking at the Giants and the Saints, uh, this game really, really scares me for the Giants. You know, uh, we were just talking about how Tennessee is not going to have their offensive weapons. Uh, neither is Danny jo- Daniel Jones and, and the Giants with both Shepard and Slayton out. The Saints, as we know, really good against the, the rush. Uh, and Saquon Barkley has not had a great season so far. So I just envision this, Mike. I think the Giants are going to become one-dimensional. They're going to pin their ears back. They're going to be coming after Danny Dimes. He's going to have to run for his life. I, I don't. I just don't see how the Giants get a win here, especially at the Superdome. Now, first time back after the hurricane. What's your game script for the Giants and Saints? You know, it's interesting, Anita. I think this is kind of similar because if you look at the Saints on offense, they're not playing great either. You know, when you look at they're 31st in the league in yards per uh, passing yards per game, they're um, giving up the 29th most sacks. So, again, I think it's similar. Like I think when you, we look at Daniel Jones, I think like from a Giant perspective. I think there's some things that, in my opinion, I think he's getting better. Like, when you think about, like, we talked about turnovers so much last year, right? Coming into the season, he had 39 turnovers in 27 games. And right now he has one turnover, which is a massive improvement. So, you know, to me, Anita, I see this game somewhat similar, which is can Jameis Winston generate offense against the Giant defense, which, candidly, it has been a little bit of a disappointment. Martinez is out for the year, but th- – on paper, if I'm Joe Judge, I'm saying the similar thing to Jason Garrett. Like, hey, let's see Jameis Winston drive the ball consistently against our defense for them to beat us. Uh, I, uh, quick question. You mentioned uh, Martinez being out. I believe strongly that that middle linebacker position is critical and crucial for your defense to be successful. How big of a deal do you think it is out there or it's going to be um, this week? Um, Yeah, it, it's important, you know, just from a standpoint that – He's a smart guy that can really cover up, you know, for a lot of deficiencies. And let's face it, like, one of the uh, challenges that you have nowadays is, you know, teams just don't have the same training camp. And we've talked about that before, Matthias, Mm -hmm. in terms of camaraderie, chemistry. And to me, like, Blake Martinez was a guy that could do a lot of those things. And they have a lot of new players, you know, be it a Dory Jackson, who was a key signing, you know, trying to mesh that secondary with their front seven. So I think there's some intangibles, but I don't think Jameis Winston's the guy that's going to take advantage of that. So maybe it gives them a week or two to sort of catch their new sea legs. Um, and, and candidly, I think Leonard Williams just needs to play better. You know, he played really well last year. He got the big contract, which he deserved. And to me, like, in the NFL, like, your best players have to play well. Like, you look at the Rams, like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, they're playing really good football. You know, I, I, I do want to touch on you and, and just to kind of go back to you were talking about Robert Sala and um, LaFleur and, and the game plan that they need to put together for Zach Wilson today in order to beat the Tennessee Titans. And I want to throw in what happened last week with Nagy and Justin Fields. And reports are today that uh, Justin Fields is going to get another start against a different defense, as we know, right? The Lions nowhere close to uh, the Browns defense. But, you know, how significant? Is it that, you know, I I know a lot of these rookie quarterbacks have been struggling this season, Mike, but the onus, a lot of it is on these teams and these offensive coordinators and how they have been failing, specifically Nagy and that that offense last week that God knows what he was thinking. Listen, you know, I don't get paid that kind of money, but at least I'm going to put in a few screens. I'm going to throw in a a few rollouts. I'm going to put some max protect in that backfield with Montgomery 
Like, it's just, it boggles my mind what happened last week with Fields. But, you know, specifically talk about that. How, how surprised were you uh, to see what Nagy came up with for Fields and, and the onus on a lot of these teams and their offensive coordinators as to why these rookie quarterbacks are struggling? Yeah, Anita, I totally agree. I think it's a great point. And I have so many uh, examples in my career. You know, Adam Gase set the all-time points record with Peyton Manning in Denver. And he used to talk about, hey, how Peyton some games were like, hey, I got to get into a groove. Let's just get some breather plays out there, like long handoffs where, you know, we're talking about Peyton Manning now, one of the all-time best. And it takes a while to some to get into a rhythm. And you don't think Justin Fields, going back to the state of Ohio last year, uh, last week, had massive anxiety excitement about his first start and those first three or four passes should have been 100 percent easy completions behind the line of scrimmage like you said jet sweeps other plays just to get the ball out of his hands i remember when we had Vinny testaverde at the jets Vinny had a very up and down career dan henning was a genius in his simplicity he made things easier for Vinny to put him in a position to be successful and to me that's what coaching is how you're going to attack an opponent's defense with Andy Dalton is just different than how it is going to be with, again, Justin Fields. And go, going back to the Jets now with Zach Wilson, like I would be saying to Coach LaFleur, like, look, they don't have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. We are so fortunate. We don't need to – we're not going into Florham Park tomorrow. You're not allowed in the building if he has more pass attempts than the opponent while the game is either tied or we have the lead. Like that should be the mindset – let this guy learn how to drive in the right-hand lane. Like this is a 10-15 year decision. He doesn't have to it doesn't matter if the Jets win two games this year or seven. It what matters is that he makes meaningful progress and the organization feels like ultimately Zach Wilson can get him to where they need to go. And when you look at the Denver game or the New England game specifically, they put him in a position where he lost the game and that that's on coaching and that shouldn't happen. So, so what what conversations on a management level are, are being had about the coaching staff when you see when you're sitting up there and you're watching a young quarterback struggle and you notice that he's obviously being put in bad situations? Are you are you looking for an explanation from the head coach? Are you are you just you know looking down the line at who else is available? What kind of te- kind of conversations are being had right now? Yeah, you you really what's really important like where you have optimal organizations is where you have you're in the business of first guessing and not second guessing. You're starting on Monday. You're starting on Tuesday. How are we attacking the opponent this week and why? And there, and on any big decision, like who you're drafting, you know, the big picture of the game plan, like it should, the head coach should be sitting there between the owner and the GM and say, hey, here's the three keys for us to win. Not 300. Here's the three things we need to do this week to win. And if we don't think that A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are playing, Mr. Johnson, here, when you go to the stadium, when you get to MetLife, we will not throw the ball more than 20 times if the game is tied or we're ahead. And hold me to it. And then on Monday, you look at it. So you're not up there second-guessing. You're, you're standing through all the issues, all the discussions, shoulder-to-shoulder. Shoulder. You're, you're having organizational communication, and there's tremendous alignment of how we're going to attack the opponent. So how do you how do you reconcile the indecisiveness, like with Nagy going, you know, Justin Fields and Andy Dalton? Like, as a player – not knowing who your quarterback is going to be week to week. I don't know if they knew in-house and just didn't want to say it, you know, out loud publicly, but like, how do you, you know, rectify like going back and forth and, and, and week to week and and not making a decision and sticking to it? Yeah. Again, I think that's just great communication, right? So if you're dealing with injuries or like someone like Justin Fields, and again, like this is what's so hard guys, like, Matt Nagy comes from Kansas City, and he's obviously trying to run the same play, which is to say, hey, we got Alex Smith, 
Patrick Mahomes sits until the last game of the first season, first you know, first year, and obviously the rest is history. That's not this situation. Like in my mind, because Fields has so much more talent than Dalton, and I think that's where Coach Nagy, I think if he could go back, would probably look at things differently. So again, it when you're dealing with scheme injuries, and, and again, like in fairness to these head coaches, and Anita, you, you brought it up, like all these uh, rookie quarterbacks are struggling, but with a modified preseason and expectations through the roof, like you have to make sure that we say, hey, if Fields plays early, he's only going to have three opportunities to get the ball down the field because he's going to have these plays behind the line of scrimmage, these plays with his feet, and we're going to put him in a position to be successful. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.